the fire, merry meet, dare to more than dabble. All are welcome at our hearth for a little bonfire babble. Bonfire babble. Welcome to the bonfire. Exploring magic with two modern witches. I'm Corey. And I'm Detta. I'm wearing very short shorts and Cody just licked very close to my butt on my leg and startled the <laughs> hell out of me. I was like, I'm going to pet you and be sweet. And then he was like, Bloop. and I was like, ah, that's my butt. <laughs> oh, I got a slobber spot on my butt. He is a licker. It's, it's fine. It's true. It's fine. It's true. Weirder things have happened to me. And he may play with his toys while we're recording this one. Yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome. Uh, we have a question Uh-oh. from a listener. <gasps> what is it? It is, what do you do with your spell remnants when you are done with them? I think very, very, very early on, three years ago, we might have talked about this. And I know we've talked about it on Patreon, but... <laughs> and just like in passing. Yeah, just in passing. But... It is a really good thing to revisit, and I loved the question because it is a reminder to me that some of you are new, and some of you haven't listened to all the episodes, which is totally fine. Totally fine. And we love revisiting stuff, and if you're asking, that means somebody else is probably asking. Yes, I know that's a teacher thing to say, but- But it's a true thing to say. I'm a teacher, and it's true. Yes, exactly, Corey, it is true. I think it depends on the spell. Yeah. I- some of it I burn. Mm-hmm. Some of it I throw away. Yeah. Sometimes I bury it. Sometimes I sprinkle it in moving water if it's a safe thing to do. Yeah. Sometimes, and this is the disorganized mind in me, which I forget about it. And to that point, <laughs> I had made an Instagram post. I think it was the last new moon or full moon or something like that. It must have been the last full moon. Is that if you've forgotten about one and you haven't gotten rid of stuff and stuff has not manifested, that might be why. Mm -hmm. So do it, whether you need to throw it away or bury it or send it down the river, all those things that Corey mentioned, it's not too late. And one of two things will probably happen. Most likely it it, it will either... One of three things I think usually happen. It either fuzzes out and you've lost the potency, but not usually. Usually the energy has been building and- (laughs) Fermenting like kimchi. (laughs) (laughs) And you release it and and then your manifestation happens. Sometimes it can backfire. I have not had that happen a lot. And just so you know, the reason I made that post is because I do this way more often than I want to. I- Always remember to thank my gods and goddesses and give them an offering, but I don't always remember to get rid of my spell remnants. Not always. And yeah. And if you're banishing something, make sure that you either throw it away on the day that the garbage is going or that you bury it off of your property, maybe even at a crossroads, someplace that's safe and someplace that's not going to hurt the environment or any animals around it. And river stuff, when you're either sending things away or you're bringing things to you, you want things to flow. Mm -hmm. There are just lots of different reasons to do that. A lot of my spells are food. Yeah. They either get eaten and disposed of in that way Mm -hmm. or the remnants get composted. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and sometimes I'll leave stuff out for if it's animal friendly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I feed spell remnants to my crows all the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Oh, all the time. I'm amazed, though, sometimes that when I leave out spell remnants that are food that I know are food that the animals like, they don't get eaten. But the energy is still there, and the energy is still being taken by the gods or the universe, the spell work that you did. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Great question. I just found it this morning, so I don't know that I have permission to say the wonderful human's name, so I will not, but you know who you are, and it was a great question, and thank you so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We are tap- tappling? No. We are tackling. <laughs> I like tappling. I like that. We're tackling a topic today that I think is very much in the consciousness right now. I think so. And it is very heated. In that regard, I do want to say, at least for me, I don't want to speak for you, that I'm not making any kind of judgment on what is correct or incorrect. Ditto. I am speaking from my own personal experience. Ditto. And what I have seen and heard and sort of synthesized from others. Ditto. Yeah. And my, and my own experience, obviously. But Yeah. What are we talking about today, Dada? We're talking about a witch's aesthetic. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now, if you heard that and you got defensive and your ears uh, met your shoulders, go ahead and unclench. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. <sighs> cool. Awesome. You want to go to the library? Let's just do it. I love that. Okay. You want to go first or you want me to go first? I don't have a lot for the library, so okay. I'll go first, just okay. get it out of the way. I read a ton of articles, a ton of interviews. I even sort of borked my TikTok algorithm a little bit watching some... There's beef. There's beef uh-huh. on TikTok about this, and I do my very best to try to stay out of beef unless it's political justice yes. or like social justice, but there is some beef that just kind of comes across your page, and you're like, I guess I better make hamburgers out of it. I did a lot of watching of that. And my algorithm is still mad. It's fine. It's fine. I'm replacing it all with crochet videos. I I read a lot of interviews from people more informed than me, more in the mix than me, and who have spoken on it from a perspective that is not mine. So in that regard, like, I won't be saying anything that isn't, like, trodden ground. And I encourage you to look up those people who I, I will mention later. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And I'm going to dig into it because... Yeah. Some of this is stuff that I've known about for a long time. And some of this is actually stuff that you, Corey, point out. Let me tell you some of my resources. The Guardian, the AlineMagazine.com, AmericaAndBeyond.com, mm-hmm. InStyle.com. Mm-hmm. I read that one too. WorthWitch.com, ChicAndCulture.co.uk, How the Medieval Witches Image. Has evolved over the centuries, the independent uk, A couple of papers, Cultural Appropriation in Contemporary Neopaganism and Witchcraft. Mm. How t- on Mashable.com, How to Be a Witch Without Stealing Other People's Culture. I read that one too. Did you? Mm-hmm. 
And TikTok witches are accusing each other of being toxic gatekeepers and misinformation spreaders. Insider.com. Mm. Another graduate paper, which is actually 193 pages. Did I read it all? No, I did not. Appropriation of the witch stigma as white women's self-empowerment. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in that, and I am going to read that one. And then my book of shadows, my personal experience, my opinions, and also my experience as an as an elder witch. Ooh. <laughs> we talk about that next episode, so you have no idea what we're talking about. Sorry about that. But Easter egg. Keep yeah, it in your Easter brain egg. Later. There we go. Living through a period that I think it is hard for me even sometimes to remember what it was the lack of information that we had Mm -hmm. because of how easily accessible it is now. People are like, how could you not have known that? Trust me, we did not. And I think (laughs) to that point, if I might, the absolute saturation and accessibility of information now does not mean we know everything. No. It it actually means we have to be even more critical and discerning of the things that we ingest. So much fake stuff out there. So much. And so much deliberate misinformation and so much well-meaning but but harmful yeah. misinformation. It's just a whole thing. And so, as we always say, be critical of the things you ingest. Absolutely. So the first thing that I will say, and this is, this is a synthesis, just like Corey was saying, and we're just going to get this out of the way. The very first thing about a witch's aesthetic is being naked, y'all. Nucky. Naked. It's nudity. Sky clad people is where it is. Thick dips. <laughs> the four witches from 1497. I Duras. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. <laughs> I looked all these names up and they're now completely out of my head. Some of them I wrote phonetically, but not all of them. The Four Witches is a painting from 1497 by Duras, and his magical woman were nude, and in the painting, They're making mischief and all of that. And you can read a lot on that if you want to. It's in the resources. The reason, though, the the reason that I wanted to start with Skyclad is because, yeah. Sorry, I just know that artist. It's Albrecht Durer. Oh, Durer. It's because paganism, and this is is not, and witchcraft. Because paganism and witchcraft, at the core, no matter how you personally practice now, no matter who you are, They are nature-based, and that's not a slam on anybody who's not into nature in their witchcraft, but that is where it all started, and that's the history, and there is no shame in our bodies. When it's hot out, it is nice to be naked, and it's safer than the long fabric hanging from your sleeves when you're dealing with candles and a bonfire. Hell yeah. And there's just something about relishing in this physical shell that we have been given to walk on this planet with that is beautiful and wonderful and i'm so over people shaming that so there's there's my first little bit nudity sex magic and self pleasure the broomstick is an aesthetic for some people and the broomstick we have a whole episode on it the Besom broomstick and flying ointment, which Corey talks about so beautifully on that episode. <laughs> and if you want to explore, you know, what I just mentioned a little bit deeper, you can go back and listen to that. But Michael D. Bialy and is a historian, and he says that at some point during the 14th and 15th centuries, religious officials, perhaps unwittingly, conflated two distinct 
types of magic and traditions, the learned magic and the common magic. The common magic required no formal training and was widely known and could be practiced in what I will call the binary genders that were acknowledged at the time. That's not, I don't want to tell you that Michael said that. They were associated with love, sex, and healing, but the learned magic came to Europe from the East, big surprise, and came with manuals and were circulated among the educated men and came to be known according to Richard Kitschefeer, which I know is spelled, it's spelled K-E-I-C-H-I-F-E-R-E. Kishafir, maybe? Something like that. And he, he describes those books that went around and the people who practice that magic as members of the clerical underworld that all I could think of was Illuminati yeah. and stuff. And that's for another episode, not for today. But you also found the witch's aesthetic in Malleus Maleficarum, and also in Campion de Dames from the 15th century, a lot of religious people, just monks wrote down our histories from their perspective. They took what they were seeing or what they made up and put it into these books. And all of a sudden, a lot of this kind of stuff became adopted in the witch's aesthetic. Do you know what it makes me think of? What? That makes me think of in the Victorian times, how the Victorian English had a huge boner for the occult. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Makes me think about that. We've talked about that a couple of times on the episode too. Because it didn't used to be a bad thing. Like a Ouija board didn't use, it used to be common practice. It was something fun for yeah. ladies who had no other job to do at parties every day. <laughs> so while some, they were eating mummies. I what? I have a lot of feelings about oh. Victorian England. Did you not know that? No. Do you know eating why there are mummies? so few mummies left? No. Because something that Victorian English people used to do was grind them up. <gasps> And eat them because they were supposed to give you, like, youth and that keep is, you young. That is so disgusting. It's gross and it's awful because, hey, Egypt, those are Egypt's oh mummies. Oh, my gosh. I have a lot of feelings about the Angli Anglification of archaeology in Egypt. Oh, oh. Again, another episode. Another episode. <laughs> There's so many aesthetics out there, and we'll get to that in, out at the bonfire. But the cone-shaped hat with a point was one of the first found items with the mummified remains of the witches of Subeshi, and they were accused of practicing magic in Turfan between the 4th and 2nd centuries B.C. Woof. I know. In the Middle Ages, the hat was associated with Jewish people. So, of course, that became an anti-Semitic thing, and the Christians started relating that to Satan worship because they used it in their cabal rituals and so it just became this whole huge anti-semitic and then became witch and all god of that save me from your good people please please god please what are you doing up there or down there wherever you are this is the thing that Corey taught me what a long do? time ago <gasps> what did i do <laughs> the women who made beer oh yeah the brewers yeah the brewer women the tall the hat was like hey look at me here i am yeah and they were called the alewives, and they wore hats, similarly these, in the 17 and 1800s. And since they defied the patriarchal norms, they were considered Satan worshipers. Sure. Now, I read this several places, and there are so many places that you can read about the beer women. But one of the places I read about it was in style. And it's a pretty decent article, except they get a couple of things wrong. And the biggest thing they got wrong is that they said that they were ostracized and called witches because it was a male-dominated profession and that's not true it started yeah, for it, centuries as it a, wasn't yet yeah 
female dominated and the patriarchy of course said oh this is making money and it's something we want to do and it's good and so we're going to take it away and i do say the patriarchy how dare women do something so successful pointed shoes the best guesses uh, from what i read in the research is puritans and first because of a phallic symbol not a rabbit hole i wanted to go down so i didn't Fair. Man, maybe because I don't put pointed shoes in my Not every aesthetic. rabbit warren is for us. I know. Yeah. It's true. Thank you for yeah. saying that. I feel validated. <laughs> Cloaks and capes, which I freaking love and I can talk about for forever, but I won't. I love that you mentioned that because I was literally just listening to an episode of Schmanner where they talked about the opera Ooh. and the in the late 1800s or whatever and how the cloak was a huge part of that, part of the aesthetic of what you wore to the opera because yeah. it meant that you could show off what you were wearing underneath but also be warm and also not be encumbered by a, a tight jacket and you could do a big reveal oh and it goes swoosh when you walk mm. oh god i love it's, a cape you can hide things hey oh yeah you can put herbs and and sew things into your cloak i just imagine they're being like you want any <laughs> Opening up their cloak <laughs> to hide their yeah. stuff. Uh, so many Monty Python <laughs> images just went through my head. <laughs> and then the, is this the last thing I have for the library? Yep. This is the last thing I have for the library. So bear with me, everybody. I'm ready. And I promise this is going somewhere. Stevie Nicks. <laughs> this is where I went to, wow, you have no idea how much information was not available to us back then unless, unless we were had parents that made sure we were educated and went to libraries. And I didn't have that until I was older. Stevie Nicks is known for having this bohemian look and this very 70s hippie look. She brought back platform boots at that time, but made them very distinctly 70s and very distinctly hippie. If you don't know, the boho look and everything, a boho look, bohemian look, that is a Romani thing and the G word. Which is a slur. Let's not forget that ever. Please stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Not to sound like your mom like admonishing you. Knock it the fuck off. Stop it. <laughs> Thank you. And, <laughs> and we talked beforehand about that. So when I was growing up, the G word was, was a word that people took as as a stick it to the man kind of thing. It was like a fuck you. It was. It was like, yeah, Corey's like over here doing both thumb, both, both thumbs up. <laughs> it's a big flip of the bird. Thumbs. It's a big flip the bird. And it was powerful and they were bucking the system and they were hippies and they were living off the grid. It was very treasured and meant something to them and very nomadic. It wasn't until later they learned or at least that I learned and a lot of people I know learned, that it was such a slur and horrible and still horrible for the Romani people, not only at that time, but well into the 90s and 2000s. It's still a struggle. It's getting better, but it is still a struggle for the nomadic Romanis to see justice yeah. and be treated well. Stevie Nicks had gone to seek out a designer. Her name was Margie Kent in the 70s to hone her look. Very flowy, fabrics, velvet, cotton. Her crystals and her pendants, and there were moon shapes and very earth and moon-loving look because she's a freaking witch, you all. We all hats, know it. Hats with veils. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And top hats mm. with, with veils and all that. She'd said in an interview with the New York Times that she felt like she needed a uniform, something urgent 
like out of Great Expectations or A Tale of Two Cities. I will go with A Tale of Two Cities because it's from 1859, which is set against the backdrop of the French Revolution, which is the first time that the French people met the Romani people and some adopted their look and their lifestyle and joined them. And others who had just been being persecuted, persecuted these people instead and were just awful to them. That was their look. Goes even further back than that, back to Bohemia, long and complicated though with French and the Czech Republic and Celtic people known as the boy, B-O-I-I. It's a very complicated, messy crochet project. Just all intertwined. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, as a grown person who Mm -hmm. is more aware of the world, I am wary of the word bohemian now. Yeah, me too. If I see something that says boho chic or boho style anymore, I'm like, "Mm, maybe we don't do that. And if I see decor that has the G word on it, I'm like, no, no, stop it. Unless, unless... They are of Romani descent. If it's a Romani artist making something. Yeah. You you also need to remember that if somebody says they're Romani, you believe them. Yeah. It doesn't mean they look a certain way that you have to identify. I know witches who have tried to use that and they've gotten just lambasted. I'm so. Latina. Nobody can tell. Yeah. It's, you can't judge people's, no. you just can't. You can't. And I, I have a deep, deep love of Stevie Nicks. I mm-hmm. have a tattoo on the back of each thigh. Lots of canvas there, so they're mm-hmm. big portraits. On one side, it says Fre- it's got Freddie Mercury in a frame, and it says Killer Queen. And on one side, I've got Stevie Nicks, and it's in a frame, and it says The White Witch. Mm-hmm. And Poe Buddy's nerfed, <laughs> but I, I, part of my formative aesthetic and youth and life, Stevie Nicks had a huge influence on. Yeah. And and too. So I embrace her knowing that she's fucked up. We've all fucked up. We've all made mistakes. We've all grown from those mistakes. We've all learned. Also, just strictly from like a survival standpoint, nobody should have done that much cocaine and lived through it. She's clearly pretty strong. She and Grace Slip. Jeez, oh, Pete. Yeah. But on that note, although at the time she called it a bohemian look, it, these... This is, we, we'd started to talk about this, and I'm not going to word this question well. How do we, like now she has talked a lot about, I mean, she's got a song called Gypsy. Yes. <laughs> and she's talked a lot about the Romani people. And I don't know if you all know this, that Cher is her song Gypsy, Gypsy's Gypsy's Tramps and Thieves, because she is Cherokee and Romani. Stevie comes from heritage of German, Welsh, Irish, and so the cloaks and stuff, they all come very naturally. But what is the difference between adopting and and loving something and wearing that and culturally appropriating in your opinion? What do you think? What if I answered that out of the pool? What if we let that question trans... I love that. What if we let that question be our liminal space? I think that's great because... um, I'm done with yeah. the library. That was it. Yeah, you mentioned that was your last right. thing. Let's, Let's go. go to the pool. Let's wiggle our little toes in it. I think one of your cats is dreaming because it's making funny noises. It's and probably I love that. I love that. I just hear these little... Yeah. 
So I think also kind of to what you said. Yeah. That is in Stevie's heritage. Her line, her history. Yeah. That is in Cher's history. A lot of the things I have read and researched and a lot of the things that I do to keep myself aware and not fall into any like mindless consumption. Yeah. It a lot of it starts with work from a place of your own lineage. Explore your own lineage. Start there. Because it's probably richer than you think. And it's probably like more vast than you think. And it's probably a wealth of magic and knowledge and and history there. But I also think that in a world where there's so much information available and so much to see and everything is so trend-driven and everything feels so algorithmic, it can be really, really easy to just pull from stuff without thinking. And I'm guilty of that. I've done that. That I did, I've done that in the past, mm-hmm. and I probably will do it in the future, and I will need to be aware of that and keep an eye on that because I don't want to appropriate. Mm-hmm. And so now I make more careful decisions about where I get things. For example, I don't shop at Urban Outfitters. <laughs> That's a choice I've made because of their practices of appropriation. Mm-hmm. I will mention a couple of the people that I read a lot of interviews with. Yeah. That is Julia Diaz. Not necessarily friend of the pod. I don't know if she knows us, but we know oh, her. Yeah. No, she's, we've interacted quite a bit. And we love her. Yeah. And uh, I, I do just, love her. I just love her. I just love her so much. Sorry. Love fest for Julia Diaz. And Brooklyn, B-R-O-O-K-L-Y-N-N. And as in Brooklyn music? I believe so. Oh, we've shouted her out before too and have interacted a lot with with her. Her music's amazing. Yeah. And they've talked a lot about how, like, how easy it is to just take the phrase, magic is for everybody, and conflate that with all magic is Mm. for everybody. Mm -hmm. And there are closed practices. There just are. Imagine if you had a family tradition and somebody came to a gathering that was your family tradition and then took it and made it their family tradition. And it was very specific and steeped in generations of tradition with your family, like names and 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 like other very specific private things and then took that and made it their family's tradition and they had mm-hmm. nothing to do with you. That would be pretty yucky feeling and insulting. What happened to the Zia? In New Mexico. Tell me. They did not ask the Zia people to use the symbol on the flag. That was a closed private symbol. Which flag? The New Mexico flag. Oh, oh, oh. Got it. The circle with the... It's the Zia. Oh, wow. They didn't ask. And the Zia people have been pissed about it for many decades. Mm. It's because people saw a thing, thought it looked cool, and took it. It's important, I think, to extrapolate out. What does this, how does this affect, who does this affect Mm -hmm. if I take it? And if you're going to buy beadwork, buy it from indigenous artists. Or make it. Or make it. But if you're going to, if you're going to buy crystals, buy them from somewhere responsible. If you're going to buy, if you're going to buy herbs that are 
are over harvested. Buy them from the local farmers. If you're going to do the things that that appreciate and contribute to the cultures you are appreciating. Yeah, Mountain Rose Herbs is by in my opinion by far the best place to get if you really want that Palo Santo or the I don't think they actually do white sage. They might. But, and rhodiola, things like that, that are being over harvested because now they're really commercial. For example, their Palo Santo, they actually work with someone, a farm in India. And I don't know if you know how Palo Santo is, is cultivated. It is cultivated from fallen branches. If you're getting it from somebody who is wild harvesting, that means they're going out and they're cutting it. Almost always, that's what it means. And that's what's causing the issues. So they work with that farm. And so guess what? It's also more expensive. <laughs> so because they... The energetic exchange yeah. of using that item is the is helping yeah. future generations cultivate yeah. it forever. Yeah. And it's important. Yeah. And with that said, back to back to the aesthetic. So when I was a kid, just without a lot of media input, I feel very lucky now. <laughs> I didn't at the time, but I really came to love overalls. They oh, were available I love overalls. to me. And I love them. And I loved big, drapey, flappy, hangy blouses. That would be called now boho. I grew up, I was a kid in the 70s, but I consider the 80s my, I, I was a preteen and teenager in the 80s. I was really also influenced by my brother's style, and they were teenagers in the 70s, and Cherokee. And I had no idea for a long time that some of the stuff that they uh, sported, wore, consumed, whatever, was native because they didn't really talk about it with me until I was older. But their style was absolutely 70s hip indigenous look. <laughs> I loved all that. Mm -hmm. I think, it, like you were just saying, as long as you're doing it with knowledge, you can like anything you want mm -hmm. and you can wear what you want, I think, but you just be respectful mm -hmm. of it. I actually, on Instagram the other day, there's a, a woman selling, I'll call them turbans. They're, 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 they're wraps. Oh yeah. For your wraps. hair, hair wraps by a, a black owned shop and a black owned creator who's like white women, please buy these and wear them. Protect so your hair. So that I can wear them out in public. I was like, oh, that's cool. I can get behind that. I have a bonnet so, that I sleep in it. Yeah. And so when I'm being good to my hair. So that's, I wanted to talk about that because I, Tammy and I talk a lot about how, because people have traditionally, not just white people, how do we decolonize and still create? Because everybody has built on and collaborated with other people their entire lives, some willingly. Yeah. And especially overseas, not America. And so 
How do we continue doing that without it being theft, without mm-hmm. it being appropriation? And and I don't have the answer to that. I love that you use the word collaborate. Yeah. Because I think, and this is the hindsight of a person who has the ability to look back over time that yeah. I didn't exist. I think that collaboration mm-hmm. is very recent. I do not think mm-hmm. true collaboration across the board, at least, <sighs> is is something because to speak of colonization... So many practices were eradicated and are only popular now because some influencer Mm -hmm. made it popular. And so now at stores you can buy like smudging bundles. Mm -hmm. And that waters down and disrespects an entire culture's practices. Collaboration, I think... Open-hearted, open-armed collaboration mm-hmm. is relatively new. I don't agree with you on that. That's fair. I, yeah, I saw it happening when I was growing up, and I saw it happening in my teenage years. Now, did it happen on a wide scale in the yeah. mainstream? I'm talking on a macro scale. Oh, 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 oh. I'm talking I'm macro. Sorry. I'm talking societally. <laughs> I'm talking societally. Yeah. And yes, I agree. And either way, it's okay if we don't agree. Yeah, That's allowed. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, But I'm talking like societally and systemically because much of culture, and this is not a new thing. I am, this is something that has been said many times. Mm -hmm. So much of culture is guided by black artists, black influencers, people of color, indigenous artists, queer community, the marginalized people of the world and let's get specifically let's talk specifically america the marginalized people of this nation are responsible for so much of the beauty that we see Mm -hmm. and the things that we find pretty cool yeah trendy and then those people are not given the credit yes and there is a lot of discourse about that on the internet because that's where we all have to be a lot of the time. Yeah. And there is a real fear and I don't think it's unfounded of very important practices being completely watered down in the or way stolen. in the way that like really good regional food has to be made more polite for people to eat it in order to sell in order to like so if I go to a new Mexican restaurant mm-hmm. in Seattle which there are very few of the chilies are very polite. Oh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I got that when yeah. you were saying it because yeah. the yeah. cheesecake factorifying of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To make it more palatable to a wider audience, which I think is a real danger. And I think that is, if I can jump yes. back to my notes, I think that's part of what, oh, and by the way, I completely agree with you. And I, about black indigenous yeah. artists being... I still think it's even happening today, oh. although we're talking <laughs> yeah. about it a lot, and and we are. Sometimes I'll bring stuff up in my in my circle, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" And I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And these are these are people who are actively working, and I'll say it woke, but not. They need to keep waking, yeah. <laughs> and and so do I. I we anti anti racism is a daily practice. It is not a destination. Yeah. It will forever be me. One of the things, one of the controversies about that is the fact, and one of the problems I have, is the witches on the internet 
that that are selling love spells Oof. and selling witchcraft. And let me clarify that these are people who there there are people who are being compensated for a sacred exchange. And that's not who I'm talking about. If you are a witch and you are selling your wares, that is not what I'm talking about. I am talking about the people who make so much money and their only goal is to make so much money on witchcraft no matter who it is, no matter who they hurt, no matter if it's going to help. Like the love spells? No. No. That's usually going to get you like... A stalker? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's just a lot. I And I have a problem with the witches who don't educate themselves, but they're trying to make money. I have a problem with the witches who, I hate this phrase now, don't put in the work it, because it's become so cliche, but they don't educate themselves. They don't put in the time to find their own magic in order to share it. They're just taking, 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 taking. And not even cultural appropriation taking, just taking from other witches and what they yeah. see without knowing what it means. And that scares me for them. Yeah. As well as for the people that they're serving. And I think, I think that's where a lot of the controversy comes from. And I was telling Corey before we started that being aware of cultural appropriation and telling somebody that they are culturally appropriating. Mm-hmm. Is not the same thing as gatekeeping. <laughs> no. And no. and trying to take care of, I don't mind this term, baby witches. I, I, I know some people do, whatever. Trying to take care of them is not wrong or no. bad. And if they don't want your help, then they don't. Then leave them alone. Yeah. As long as they're not hurting anybody. And the more you ignore or disrespect a closed door... The more mm. doors are going to close. Oh my gosh. The more people are gonna not yep. want you in their communities. No, they're and, not. And the point one of the points for me, mm -hmm. I wanna make that very clear. One of the points for me of magic is connection. Oh yeah. And so like, why would I want to cut off avenues of connection? And I think that what this also boils down to is something we talk about a lot on the pod which is critical thinking oh, yes. regarding the media and information you ingest. And then I want to take that one step further and encourage you to actively work to diversify your feed, whatever feed you're on, whether that's Facebook or TikTok or whatever. Mm -hmm. Diversify your feed. If you start seeing the same couple of people who look the same and – basically could be have have everything in common with you mm -hmm. diversify your feed because growth does not happen in an echo chamber respect cannot be learned in an echo chamber like you can't learn in an echo chamber no you just homogenized can't. echo chambers Homogeni are the worst <laughs> homogeneity kills gardens yes it does homogeneity kills culture yeah, because diversity is the only thing that keeps us alive. I mean, the planet. The planet, yeah, <laughs> biodiversity. And I also want to say this is something that I heard on a Brene Brown talk recently that has been sticking in my brain because I take it for granted and it was really important to me to hear it put into words. So I'm going to say it, but I'm also going to credit Brene Brown. There you go. If somebody tells you an experience 
Don't just listen. Believe them. That is the step a lot of people, this, I think the context of this particularly was like white feminists who are not practicing intersectionality. (gasps) And this talk was, I think, specifically geared towards specifically white feminists who are not necessarily putting in the work to do intersectional feminism, which is vital and necessary and is the only kind of feminism I want to practice. So it's a work every day to make sure that I am checking my corners, basically. I'm with you on that. Thank you. So a step that we fall short of often is the believing part. We hear the thing and then we justify why that can't possibly be true because based on our own experience, it doesn't make sense. And so if somebody says, I appreciate your interest, this is a closed practice and I am not going to teach you it, back up. Find something that isn't a closed practice that fills the same need in your spirit. Or get really comfortable, and this is hard, with the fact that not everything is for you. That is a real colonizing way to think, that everything is for you. There are things that are not for you, and there are things that you're not meant to understand. And that's okay. That's great. I will add to that. Yes. I I think that... I think that the connected that you talked about is a is a reason that a lot of people come to this craft mm-hmm. that come to witchcraft, which is not a religion. Wicca is a religion. Witchcraft is not. So, since it is a religion to some people and not to others, and and other practices too. and other practices too. Voodoo, Thank you. Voodoo, those things. <laughs> she, she saw me trying to say that. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, we have one brain. Ah, da, da. <laughs> if you are working on your own magic, it's just like what happened to me with the witch's pyramid. Oh my gosh, I thought I made it up. <laughs> if you're meant to have that, the universe is going to give it to you. It's just going to give it to you in a way that has a different structure and different practice than these rituals that have been created. And there are places that if you're craving that ritual that you don't want to create yourself, there are practices that will take you in and do that. And yeah, but you got to understand too with those practices, yeah, like there are going to be I don't want to say like tests, but there are going to be qualifications on Mm -hmm. that process. It's learning a new thing. It's learning a new culture. It's learning a new. You don't just get to go in and be like, this is me now. You have to put in the time and not not literally pay your dues necessarily, but like pay your energetic dues to Mm -hmm. that practice. I think it is literally. And, And all of that to say listen to people when they talk to you believe their experiences and be critical of the choices that you make and critical remember is not bad critical is not a bad thing critical means literally looking at something and considering all of its facets trying to take into account your biases oh gosh trying to look at it from you know somebody else's point of view turning it around changing your seat and and also this is something that i'm dealing with with some people i care very deeply about Mm -hmm. in my life 
defensive is okay if you take a look, if you are able to feel that feeling and then step back and go, whoa, why did I feel that? Why did I get defensive about that? Mm. What is the long-held belief that I must have that that brushed up against in an uncomfortable way? Yeah. And defensive is okay if you use it as a tool towards understanding. Because you're going to hear things and you're going to be told no and you're going to get defensive about that and you're going to have to wonder why. And then you're going to have to ask yourself the hard question, is this for me? Yeah. It all comes down to intentional, critical thinking and kindness. Yeah. Honestly. And respect. So cool. Yeah. So we covered all that and... We're going to keep going because Uh let's get to the fun stuff about aesthetics, if we may. And also, what I think is powerful. Do you mind if I go first? Get after it, yeah. So, I think a witch's aesthetic enhances their story and the way that they tell their story. I, I think it is part of sharing that story, not only with themselves, but with the world, which is also why it's important to to make sure that you're doing it respectfully. And I think for some of us, our aesthetic actually increases our power. We know that ritual clothing does this and it's why we wear it. Mm -hmm. But yes, and so does our day. So do our daily choices. And I think many of those choices become daily rituals. We talk about that, the way we make our tea, the way we stir it, how we take our showers and all that good kind of stuff where we work stuff in. And I think is, which is we have our own personal aesthetic and minus t-shirt jeans, cat and dog hair with uh, not magic in my hair and dirt on my feet because I go barefoot outside. You're usually also wearing like a badass pendant. Yeah, there we go. (laughs) And also something that I think we don't talk often enough about when we talk about aesthetic is my energy. Mm. My energy is part of my aesthetic. So my aura, my constant vibration, no matter what that frequency is that I'm sending off. I, whether it's low, high, in between, passionate, raging, it's what I'm sending out. That is part of my aesthetic. Mm -hmm. And it's also part of my armor. Mm -hmm. And I go back to Stevie Nicks feeling like she needed a uniform, which is me that, I mean, we're still being persecuted places all over the world. I think you said that earlier. Yeah. I think that's really important to mention real quick because we talked about this beforehand. Yeah. There are places in the world still where if you are even suspected of witchcraft, it's very, very bad for you. Yeah. You're put to death. It's very, very bad. And it's important to remember. Do you know that like sort of cliched saying at Halloween that's my heritage is not a costume or my culture is not a costume? Yes, yes, yes. Especially with Dio. Dio de los Muertos. Yes. Yeah. Keep that in mind. That's an important thing to keep in mind. Am I costumifying someone's culture? It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. But I agree with you about like your energy and your appearance and your aesthetic, like your personal aesthetic. I want people to know right away when I walk into a space what I'm about. Mm. Usually. I love that. Today, what I'm about is my sluttiest little shorts. They are not slutty. They are, and they're great. Okay. I love them. Affectionate. <laughs> affectionately. Affectionately. I'm not slut shaming myself. Okay. My ass hangs out of these, and it's great. <laughs> they're cute, and I have a great butt. And I'm wearing like a band t-shirt and my glittery Crocs covered in like horror movie charms. 
I want people to know when I walk in that I am a casual queer person. Mm. And it comes off me in waves. But if I need to go to a place where I don't necessarily feel safe or I don't feel comfortable or I haven't been there, I will armor up. Yep. And I will put on all my silver and I will put on my hat and I will put on my, my shawl and I will put on my like big boots and make sure the people that when I walk into that room know what the fuck I'm about. Yeah. It's important. I armor up every day. Every day. No matter what. And yeah. And that's also when, no matter what your aesthetic is, and oh my gosh, if you go on Pinterest, you can find five million, the cottage. Cottage core. Cottage core, the green witch core, the earth core, the, I'm a little bit of everything at some point. Anyway, (laughs) I don't have a uniform. Like, yeah, like I said, the t-shirt, probably that's the closest thing to my uniform. But I think the one of the fun things that you can have with your aesthetic in your ritual practice or in your everyday life is when you wear that pointy hat try to remember how much energy is in that pointy hat because of the literally centuries that all the energy has been directed at that pointy hat at that broom at that cloak maybe not your specific one but the idea of it And you're taking that energy all of a sudden, especially if you believe in ancestor work and all that good jazz, those ancestors are all over. It doesn't matter if it's not handed down from your great, great, great grandmother. You just made it on the sewing machine today or bought it and ritualized it, cleansed it. That power and that energy is there. And I think that's also why some people have a hard time with people just picking stuff up and going on TikTok and because... Because the history and the energy of what that actually is and what you can do with that energy, y'all, it's fucking powerful. And difficult to convey in a 10-second video. Yes. You can't really convey a lot of context there. And that's a big part of the problem. And I'm – that's like how I feel, but also I have heard – I read from a number of people. Like a lot of people are like, the problem here is context. Like they don't have it. And so baby witches come here looking for connection, looking for empowerment. And and what they get is no context, dangerous content. Yeah. I agree with you about, I, I understand why people could be very much, yeah. this is something I take seriously. And for you, it's just an outfit. And having said all of that, yeah. when when we're talking about, I I don't have a problem with, I don't have a problem with your dressing fashion wise and stuff like that. But once you start using the tools that are history, I just, I, I get worried for them. Yeah. I get worried for them. But how much fun is it? How much fun is it to dress up like a witch, you all? It's the I best. mean, or even your own personal aesthetic witch. I love baggy blouses and velvety, cottony, hangy things. Yeah. I recently, similarly to all this, I recently watched, I don't remember who it was, was talking about the metal scene. Oh, yeah. And how people should stop gatekeeping the metal aesthetic because if it makes you feel powerful, that's fucking metal. Yeah. And I think, I think that, to basically agree with what you said yeah. earlier, the way you present is so important to a lot of people's 
sense of self and personality. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that to everybody. Not everybody gives a shit necessarily how they look. And that's awesome and fine and good. I love that. If that makes you feel powerful to not really care, I love that for you. Amazing. My aesthetic changes really regularly. Mm-hmm. The This person was talking about old school metalheads trying to gatekeep the aesthetic and not remembering what it felt like to need to feel powerful, mm. to need to feel strong and brave in the face of of people who make you feel small and vulnerable. And if yes. dressing in a shawl and a big black skirt and like <laughs> a bunch of silver shit all over you yep. makes you feel strong and powerful in the face of people who want to make you feel small and powerless, do it. Yeah. Please. And, and this is what I want to add to that for yes. new witches is that is going to help your magic. Yes. That is going to help your energy. And that is why baby witches, new witches, go for it. You are not an imposter. Mm. Do not go into that imposter syndrome. And yes, those particular words were inspired by a listener. You are not an imposter. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And you know what? I like when I go and say that so that you can listen to all of this critically and not go, oh, God, I'm doing wrong. You're not doing wrong. You can wear what you want as long as it makes you feel powerful and you're not culturally appropriating. You're giving due where it's due, that kind of stuff. But but yes, yes. I love what you just said, too. Listen to us critically also. (laughs) Yes, do. Listen to us critically. Because we are fallible human beings. Mm -hmm. And with our own opinion. And I said it in this podcast episode, I have fucked up in the past. And I will likely fuck up again many times. But the work is pushing past that to do better. Mm -hmm. Acknowledging your errors and moving on. And knowing that it doesn't make you a bad person if you make a mistake. And it doesn't mean you're not a witch if you make a mistake. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're like, you're not an imposter. Which is difficult for me to say because I have a problem with that, but just because it's not. hard. It's hard. Yeah, it is hard, but you're not. Yeah. You're not. Every day, baby. Think about it every day. Check your email. I wrote to you about this. <laughs> I think I read an article that had imposter syndrome in it. It was like imposter syndrome and then talking about witch, witches and people who have taken on the mantle of witches. Yeah, all the gatekeepers out there and judgers out there. There's so many people who are judgmental, and I just don't freaking care. Does it make you happy? Does it make you strong? Does it make you feel good? You have one precious life <laughs> yeah. with incredible, beautiful free will, and this is the thing you have chosen to use it on? Maybe if that's working for you, good, but I don't think it's sustainable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let people let people alone. Yeah. You know, if they're not harming anybody, just let them be who they are and yeah. be the witches that they are and do the magic that they do and pet the cats that they love. <laughs> River, River just, just tried to... Yeah, she's like, okay, are you guys done yet? Because I need a beer. Oh, I need attention. I need attention. I get it. Um, on that note. On that note. Should we go to the... Yeah. Some sparks? I would like to also say... I, I hope that this didn't freak anybody out. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I yeah. hope not either. I hope it didn't freak anybody out or make you nervous to – there's – a. it's really, really easy to get into that mindset of I just can't say anything anymore. 
don't oh, let don't yourself fall do there. That. Don't oh. let yourself fall into I've that. I've been there. Yeah. I've done that. Yeah. And that's a, okay, I'm scared. That's I'm a uncomfortable. Moment. I feel embarrassed. <sighs> that's Let it a go. moment. Yes. Instead, it's, oh, cool. I learned something. Or yes. you can also say, mm, Dada Corey, I disagree with you. That's also fine. Yeah. That's also fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope we didn't freak you out, but also encouraged you to remember Think critically. Yeah. Do it. Behave respectfully. This is not clothing related. Okay. I wanted it to be, but I am madly in love with this account, and I've been in love with this account for a long, long, long time. Okay. It's style related, kind of, but only because of Crown Day. Okay. Her name is... Lynn, her account is at L-Y-N-A-E-V-A-N-E-E. It's Friday, you all, is how she starts almost every time. It's Friday, you all. And I'm going to keep it black, but I'm going to keep, keep it brief. brief. I love this woman so freaking much. Yes. And she did a, a Monday instead of a Friday. And she goes, and some of you know why. And... And it was all about the the Crown Act, which was 19, uh, not 19, 20, 28, 2019. Too fucking recently. 2019, the Crown Act, so that people could wear their hair the way they needed to. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, are you freaking kidding? I had no idea it was that late. I think I've mentioned before on the podcast, I watch Queen Latifah's the Equalizer. Uh, yeah. They did a, an entire, she has a daughter on the show and beautiful, beautiful braids. And she goes in and she's going to do this internship and the woman wants her in the back only. And she, there's another black woman there who's straightening her hair and everything. And she's on scholarship in the fashion industry and, and she doesn't stand up for Queen Latifah's daughter. And it's a great episode. What you think is going to happen is not what happens. Anyway, go watch the episode. But really, really, go follow this amazing human and watch her Friday post. I freaking love her. That's mm -hmm. my spark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you said, I'm so terrible with names. Like, I just can't remember people's names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you said, I'm going to keep it black, I'm going to keep it brief. Yeah. I was like, I know who that is. I know. I follow them. <laughs> um, so I had an idea for a spark, but you just reminded me of a better one. Oh, okay. So... I would like you all to please go follow at Nikita Dump Truck. So Nikita is, she's a comic. Her, her bio on TikTok says, for the girls with sparkles on the, other, on the other side. And it says, queer comic professor at Bimbo University. She explains incredibly complex political and economic and social issues. Whoa. In a way that is deeply relatable. And fully bimbo. And I love it because bimbo is not a bad word. Mm -mm. Slut is not a bad word. No, slut is not a bad word. Fat is not idea. a bad word. Bimbo is not a bad word. You're allowed to be a bimbo. It's great. Chrissy, anyone? Hello. She's so amazing. But this person, she is incredible and she explains... She explained affirmative action and why it was important, the SCOTUS decision that happened, which makes me curious and I won't get yeah, into because I want to yeah. end on an okay note. 
But she explained affirmative action and used the sort of analog real life situation of a club and the people who could get into the club Mm. and the obstacles that some people had in getting to the club to even get in it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it's so awesome what she's doing because I put her on a same par with that amazing drag queen that teaches math. Mm. I love them both so much because they make complicated concepts easy to relate to. And if you can find a point to relate to, you're more likely to understand and, and internalize. Yeah. And so this person, she's incredible. She's like constantly wearing fluffy pink outfits and she has got cute pink hair and I love her. And I just think you should you should definitely go just go. Yeah. Just go follow her. She's following her now. Yeah. Nikita Dump Truck. She's a Nikita Dump Truck on TikTok and on Instagram. Awesome. This was fun and deep and And all of I learned a lot. Yeah. I learned a lot. Thank you. Powerful. Yeah. Totally. Totally fun. And thanks for having that discussion because I think that some of us white people are struggling with, okay, how do we, how do we do this? How do we do it better? The cult, the not cultural appropriation and how do we create without, and it's, it's scary. I'm not going to lie. It's scary. It's uncomfortable. And I think it's important. So thanks for having that discussion with me. I really appreciate it. And I hope you all benefited from it listening. Yeah. And if you have thoughts, we always are like, yes, discourse. Yeah. 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 Which I'm locked out of and can't get in, but I will. Oh, Discord? I'll figure it out. I'll, I'll figure it out. <gasps> I just oh, mean discourse in general. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> in the comments, yeah. in instant. If you're not comfortable leaving a comment, yeah. if you want to DM us, yeah, please. Yeah. And until we meet again, be well. Act with intention. And don't forget, you are magic. And are totally rad, babe. Woohoo! Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you are so inclined, follow us on our socials, which is Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Bonfire Babble Podcast. You can also follow us or join us on Patreon at Bonfire Babble Witches on Patreon and our website at bonfirebabble.com. You can also join our community on Discord by clicking the link in our link tree. If you're into snail mail, you can send us that at P.O. Box 16341, Seattle, Washington, 98116. And if you want to do that electronic thing, we're at bonfirebabblepodcast at gmail.com. Please also, if you have a moment, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It helps us out. It also helps other people find us. Yeah, and if you do it on Apple where you can actually write something, we will shout you out your name. Thank you again for listening. Bonfire Babble Podcast recognizes that we live and record on the traditional lands of the Duwamish tribe. We honor their past and present stewardship of the beautiful land and the life-giving energy they provide. To learn more about the tribe, go to realrentduwamish.org.